From the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, The Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. Good morning and welcome to the Thursday edition of the program. I'm Bobby Kern along with Tanner Hayworth between us. We'll try and bring you the complete world of sports, pros, colleges, high schools, other sporting events taking place here with guests and giveaways and, of course, your phone calls. Let's get after it. The sports stories you need to know. Here's your current events. And so it begins. The NBA Finals are upon us. We all look for the analytics that will be meaningful. For example, roster experience in the Finals. Golden State is 123 games notched in Finals play. Boston has zero. Does it matter? Maybe not. Give me a red-hot shooter anytime. Golden State is a minus-160 favorite. Nice, but doesn't mean much once this thing tips off should be fun to watch prediction golden state and six current events nick saban and jimbo fisher of alabama and texas a&m respectively seem willing to drop their feud saban apologized fisher more or less accepted and, and now we won't hear much till the teams meet on october the 8th in Tuscaloosa. Current events. With Dustin Johnson, the biggest name to defect from the PGA Tour and join up with the Saudi-backed LIV, only surprising because he recently pledged loyalty to the PGA Tour. Tour Commissioner Jay Monahan has expressed that there may be serious consequences for those that have gone over to the dark side. Some are questioning how far Monaghan can go since players are independent contractors rather than employees. This is very likely headed to court. Current events. I heard uh, Chris Hart yesterday giving an impassioned defense of the guys who are going there. He said, "How? who could turn down that money? Well, they would love to think that there was some loyalty engendered over the last... 30 or 40 years on the PGA Tour. Apparently, that's not the case with some. I kind of understand this more with the guys who are sort of journeymen at this stage of their careers, the Lee Westwoods and Ian Poulters and Graham McDowell's guys that don't win much anymore. But they that's got to be very appealing to them to get big fees, just appearance fees, because you don't get anything typically just for showing up on the PGA Tour. you got to make a cut to make any money. So I'm not shocked that guys are going for that. Um, I do think you got to be careful because I do think Jay Monahan will try to bring the hammer down. Now, I don't know how successful he's going to be on that. Now, I think that's an interesting d- dilemma. They're not employees. So how do you get to regulate who plays and who doesn't? I think it's interesting. 296-1420. If you have something 
and you want to talk about it, uh, go ahead. I'm, I'm happy to entertain that topic. I, I am hearing a lot of the older school guys are a bit more conservative. They, they're not really – they're not thinking it's a bad deal to have some competition, but they just don't like what the, what the Saudis are doing, which is trying to buy their way in. Hey, listen, if it comes to just sheer dollars, they got a lot of money. That's our own money, as they say in Texas. They got that damn our own money. 296-1420, if you have something, uh, feel free. You can jump in uh, anytime you like. And that's for texting or calling. 296-1420. I, I guess Dustin Johnson, you'd have to say, is the highest profile guy to go. Um, and, you know, he they all went knowing that they were told not to, that you're not approved. We have not approved an exemption. There will be consequences for anybody who goes and plays anyway. I guess my thing is that very possibly the Saudis have promised to represent anybody in court. All they got to do is supply your lawyer. That's where the bulk of the money is going to be spent. And they may say, you know what? We got plenty of money for that. Well, that's not, a, that's not an issue for us. And they're doing something that's maybe a little outside the normal trying to get these guys to force their behavior despite the fact that they're not officially employees. Don't get paid anything if they don't make a cut. I think that's an interesting way to go. I, you talk about wanting to have your cake and eat it too. Well, that's generally used in the same phrase because otherwise it becomes hard to figure out. You think, wait a second, what did that guy tell me six months ago? I don't know. That's is that you know how legit is that? I think it's a good question. Go ahead if you have something. Two nine six fourteen twenty. I heard Chris Canty say something. He's generally a pretty reasonable guy. Everybody wants to get on this topic, and the topic is: Does Steph Curry need to get an an NBA Finals MVP? Does he need that for credibility, for street cred, for his legacy? I just think that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. How, how do you expect a guy who talks team his whole life to get obsessed with winning a trophy for, like, being the high score, which is essentially what it is? I mean, I just think that's crazy. So you got a guy that's been talking team the whole his whole career, and suddenly you want him to to obsess with winning the MVP trophy. I, I just don't think that's going to happen. I don't think it should happen. I don't think that's who he is. I I think he would look at that as a throw-in bonus if he was to win that. I mean, he'd be fine, great, but I I don't think it's a goal. I I just think that's a crazy goal because. Where are you if that's your goal in terms of your team? They're supposed to be the highest possible deal is to win f with your teammates the NBA title. Is that not is that no longer true? I, I where are you on this, Tanner? How important do you think it is that Steph Curry wins a Finals MVP? I mean, it'd be nice for street cred. It's not anything that he'll necessarily need, but it's something to add to the remise, uh, the remise, 
the resume when you are having these discussions about, oh, who do you think is the greatest point guard of all time? I think it's Magic. Well, I think it's John. And then the whole conversation will go, well, he has actually uh, this many finals MVPs and this many MVPs, but that guy only has that many MVPs, but no finals MVPs. I mean, come on. And so as much as I want to say, like, oh, the finals MVP is an award to get, if you have it on your resume, it does say a lot about what you did for that final series, whether it be, you know, scoring the most points or playing the most impactful defense, because we have seen that come from both sides, whether it be even from the Warriors squad. So whether who's it be, ever uh, won an MVP? Andre Iguodala. Playing, it wasn't for playing great defense. Yes, it was. That's not what I remember. Andre Iguodala did, was not a he, leading no, scorer. But he was but he running, played amazing he defense against LeBron tra- James. He was running the transition. He was distributing the basketball. He was doing more than just playing defense. Okay, yeah, but I will say that was also one of his big impacts was the defense that he did play. I'm not saying that's the only thing he did, but I'm also saying the finals MVP is not a thing where you only just score the most points. But also at the same time, that's just like going on a other totally other tangent. That's not really what we're talking about. Steph Curry doesn't need it, but it certainly helps. Well, I think he doesn't. I don't even think he cares about it. I think if you were to take the polarities here and tell him, okay, you got a choice. We can win this thing for the team, or you can win the MVP. I don't. I think it would be he would smirk at you. Because that's who he is. That's who he's always been. He came out of a college program at Davidson where it was all about the team and all about winning. He's been like that his whole professional career. Does it make sense that he would just suddenly change that now and get obsessed with individual awards? It doesn't to me. I think that's craziness. Ten minutes uh, past the hour. Go ahead if you have something. Now, if someone was to tell me that it's the most important thing to Kyrie Irving, say, just as one example. Okay, I, I would get that. I would, I would accept that because that's sort of who he is anyway. So that wouldn't shock me. I would shock me if, like, Draymond Green, Andre Guadal, if one of these guys got obsessed with winning awards, I would say, wow, that's not the guy that I knew. That's not the guy I thought I knew. 296, 14 points, 11 minutes past the hour go ahead if you if you want to weigh in on this how important is it to Steph Curry's legacy does he need this I there's an old there's a phrase that has been used in every profession and it's called body of work body of work that is sort of means the totality of your efforts that is how in many professions you get judged not by a best of seven series. I just think for considering that these guys play 82 regular season games, and how often do you get to the finals? Well, in the case of Golden State, pretty often. But for the, for the average professional NBA player, rare treat to get to the NBA finals. No one on this Boston team has ever been there before. Uh, to say that, okay, we're going to judge your career now, by whether or not you collect an award, I think is, I think it's on the verge of insanity. I almost can't believe that that's the way that grown men 
are suggesting this is what Steph Curry needs to do. He needs to do this. I, I just don't get that. I, I don't think Steph Curry would get it. I think he probably understands the world he's living in well enough. But I think if you were to ask Steve Kerr, for example, guy who's now coached him for how many years, if you asked him, how important do you think uh, this MVP trophy is to Steph? I, I think you would get an amused response. I think he would be almost baffled that someone would ask that because I don't think that's what's going on inside the Warriors' locker room, inside their meeting rooms. I don't think there's anyone planning on a way to get the MVP trophy for Steph. I still think that's part of the deal. That's my guess. It's 13 minutes past. If you have something, uh, go ahead, 296-1420. We're getting a little softball today. By the way, the New York Rangers decimated the Tampa Bay Lightning yesterday. I had tuned into that, and I kind of thought, even when, you know, it was 2-1 Rangers, I kind of thought, hey, I don't know about this. Because that team is two-time Stanley Cup champion, best goalie in the game, supposedly. You know what? I'm kind of going with the hottest goalie in the game, and that might be the Rangers guy. So I'm not sure old Igor isn't the guy leading the way right now. The Rangers win that game 6-2. to two. That had a surprise a lot of people, I would think. Go ahead if you have uh, questions or comments. I'd like to hear from you. 296-1420. We have a, you know, I would say a small but dedicated hockey crowd. We don't have, I, I would say, we don't have hockey fans in numbers in Honolulu. But I think we have some fans, and the ones who are here are serious. So I bet some of these Ranger guys are loving life right now. 296-1420. It's about 14 minutes past 6 o'clock. Feel free to text us, too. We haven't, uh, we've been a little short on texts lately. I'm missing the texts. Well, let's do this. We'll take a quick timeout. Right back on the Bobby Curran Show, ESPN, Honolulu. You're listening to the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN, Honolulu. Text or call the show at 296-1420. It's funny that I do think we are going to have extended conversations in the next week over MVP stuff. That seems inevitable. It, it almost seems for a lot of people that's more interesting than the outcome of the games, which is strange in a, in a lot of ways because you get a guy, you get a 12-person team, full coaching staff. There's probably six or eight coaches. That's just the first row and a half of assistants that are all dedicated to one proposition, having a team be as good as it can be. And yet, in the media, you would think the whole thing is about who gets the MVP trophy. I think that's, a, I think that's bizarre. I think it is a sign of the world we live in, though. 296-1420. I can't think of, I mean, that's really an NBA thing because when I think about college uh, basketball, now player of the year is a little different. Because it is, and it is sort of a body of work award because it's from the beginning of the season to the end. So that's a little different. But you don't see, like, on a college team, 
even on the national champion, you don't see an obsession over who's going to get the MVP on that. It's strictly reserved for the pros, it seems like. 296-1420. If you have uh, an issue with it, go ahead, uh, charge it up for us. Give us a text, perhaps. I would love to see what people have to say about that. It's obviously huge in some quarters. I was a little surprised to hear Chris Canty and Chris Carlin going on endlessly about it this morning. That, you know, who needs it? Who needs this for their career, for their reputation, for their legacy? I, I, would you say, I, this is what I would say. I would say the legacy for Steph Curry is already assured. I don't think that needs any polishing. Two-time MVP regular season. Three-time champion. What, what else is there? I mean, that's pretty good, I think. I'm not sure he needs anything else to stamp his career as having been outstanding. Because it's the evidence is it's already outstanding. 296 1420. Uh, I, I am a little surprised we don't have more people wanting to weigh in. If you had, and everyone's talking about now, oh, the presumed favorite for the MVP is Steph Curry. How did they get that? Because he's the best player on the best team or the most prolific player on the best team? Is that it? I, I would guess that is it. I mean, let's face it. No one's going to expect Kevon Looney to get the MVP trophy. I actually think if you had a guy that had an unbelievable series and he came out of nowhere and got that, I'd be all right with that. That wouldn't bother me. I, I'm sure there's a lot of people that say, what are they doing? That's crazy. All right. Might be a little crazy. <laughs> That's the fun of it. Go ahead. Uh, if you have something you want to join, join in today, we'd like to have you. Uh, yeah, we. This has been kind of a quiet show. Um, I know people are getting ready for the game today, but I'd like to hear from you if you have a thought on it. 296-1420. Uh, Tanner's over there. You're laughing at something. What do you got going? Nothing. You're waving me off. You're changing the pitch. 296, uh, 1420. Go ahead, and uh, you can fire it up. If you have something that's interesting, we'd like to hear it. Um, I don't know that it matters much who gets an MVP trophy at this point. The other thing, now I understand this one, because so many contracts are tied to how you do in terms of of this all pro voting, like you're only entitled. You have to make one of the first three teams, I think, to get a Supermax. Is that still the case? Still is. you got to get that or you're not getting the Supermax. So I, I sort of get that one because it ties in to your professional success. I don't hear people, although Draymond Green did weigh in. He got irritated that he was on the second team, all defensive team. He's like, how can that be? They're not five guys better than me. <laughs> I think it's an interesting take. I mean, you could take issue with it. But I think most people probably don't. 25 minutes past the hour. You have something. Uh, I want to hear from you. 296-1420 is the number. And feel free to text us. We've been, uh, we're getting more calls lately than texts. That was not... Uh, the case just until very recently. So jump in on the texting chain if you like. Um, Tanner, what are the things this week in sports 
What are the things you're paying attention to? Well, the NBA Finals, obviously. Yeah. I think that's the one thing I'm going to be focusing on the most, especially as we come down to the last two days of the week. No uh, hockey for you? I'm not a hockey guy. I'm more of a lacrosse guy. I would probably sub that in for the other, but I am going to be heavily watching tonight's NBA Finals for sure. Yeah, I just think it, uh, it's an American institution. If you're not watching the NBA Finals, I, I would wonder about your interest in uh, in sports. I, my father got to a point in his life, later in his life, he got to the point where he didn't care about pros in anything. He just felt like the pros were a dirty game. We got John on the line. What's up, John? Hey, Bobby, I'm calling in actually about the Rangers. I grew up uh, rooting for the Blackhawks, obviously, but uh, I've kind of lost track of uh, the NHL uh, uh, the last few years. But uh, I'm hearing these guys on the talk show saying that the Rangers are taking over uh, New York. What do you think about that? Well, I, I just think they're getting unbelievable goalie play. I mean, that's people have said this since I was a kid. There's nothing more critical to your chances than a red-hot goalie, and the Giants have that. So, I mean, this Igor, yeah. this Igor character, I, his last name is, he's Russian. So is the guy for Tampa Bay. They're both Russians. They're the two best goalies in the game right now. But I would say that last, the last week or so, the Ranger goalies, he's, he's the hot guy. So, I mean, let's face it. I, that'll, be, that'll turn New, York, New York's head if the Rangers can win the Stanley Cup. I, for me, it's not as big of a deal. I have to admit that because I just don't follow hockey that closely. I never did. I we had people like my. I remember when I was a kid, my father. The ponds froze up, and there were a lot of kids out with their hockey sticks and makeshift goals, and let's go play hockey. And you want to play hockey, sure. And well, we're gonna go get him skates. My mother goes out with me to get the skates and comes back with black figure skates. I, th I thought my father, I thought he was levitating off the chair. That lasted. The black figure skates, I, I was trying to think of how long they lasted in the house. Eight, nine minutes maybe? We walked in. The cop came off the box. He saw those. My butt was in the car so fast. He had a little Volkswagen bug going down to Sportorama. He actually looked askance at the, the guy who owned the sporting goods store. Like, how could he have sold his son figure skates? He couldn't even understand. I mean, there's, there's other things obviously going on here. There's a subtext in this, obviously, but um, which is not so present now, but it was back in the day. And so, yeah, he was just, he was out of his mind. I don't think he got over that for weeks. <laughs> you know what's funny is okay, so your hot goalie uh, in uh, hockey is uh, same thing as a shutdown closer in baseball, then. Huh? Kind of, yeah, more or less. I would think that's not too far off. I thank you for the call, John. We got Thomas on the line. What's up, Thomas? Hey, good morning, Bobby. How are you this morning? I'm swell. What's up? Okay, so concerning your con conversation about Stephen Curry needing an MVP, uh, finals MVP to cement his legacy, in yeah. my opinion, no, he does not need that. Uh, I think about another NBA legend who we all know, God rest his soul, 
Kobe Bryant. Now, Kobe Bryant, uh, I think he had the mentality of, well, I lived in the shadow of Shaq for those first three championships and never won the trophy. And then he was able to cement his legacy as a top ten player of all time, uh, winning those second two championships on his own, obviously with help, Paul Gasol and all them. Uh, however, I don't think Stephen Curry is going around thinking, oh, I need a, uh, an MVP trophy to cement my legacy. Oh, now, me either. I I'm think, with you. I totally agree with you. I, I think, oh. yeah, definitely. So I think uh, if – People are going to consider Stephen Curry an all-time top ten great in the NBA. Yes, he's probably going to need one of those in order to be in that conversation. But to cement his legacy as one of the greatest players we've ever seen, uh, especially in this era, no, he does not need that. You know, he is also one of the handful. I mean, there's very few players that have really had an impact on changing the game. And there's no question Steph Curry's in that category because – this the three-point shot hadn't really hadn't had its current place until Steph Curry. I mean, let's be honest. Oh, he, he's totally changed that. I don't know that to oh, me. That's so. that's as that's as valuable as a lot of the other things. Oh yes, the three-point shot. I can't think of enough in the NBA that's eventually going to uh, you know threaten his all-time NBA three-point uh, record, uh, unless you can think of someone. I can't think of anyone at the moment. You know, I kind of felt like there were some guys, Dr. J comes to mind, because he was so flamboyant uh, with the dunking and the craziness. And I, I kind of felt he was beginning to change what was considered a great moves to the bucket, et cetera. But I don't even think that is quite at the same level as Steph Curry. I, I just think this is a different deal altogether. Oh, I agree. All right. Well, good to talk to you about it. All right. Thanks. Have a good one. It's 31 minutes past, which means we need to get a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll have our guests, uh, our first guest for this Thursday. Uh, it's something that I am looking forward to. We are going to be talking with uh, Grant Marrick, and this will be kind of fun because he's the editor-in-chief of SF Gate. He'll have his thoughts on the upcoming NBA Finals. Stay with us on Bobby Curran Show, ESPN, Honolulu. Follow us on Twitter at Bobby Curran Show. This is ESPN Honolulu and the Sideline Hawaii app. Welcome back uh, on this Thursday edition of the program. Yes, day one of the NBA Finals. Let's welcome our first guest, Grant Marrick, the editor-in-chief of SF Gate, with us now. Grant, how are you? I'm doing great, Bobby. How are you? Good. It's kind of an exciting thing in the Bay Area, I would think. Well, a little bit, a little bit. I mean, I just think that with a couple of years out with COVID, I, and there were some people had doubts about whether – First, especially Clay Thompson would ever be the guy he was when he left. I would say watching him more recently, he's starting to approach that right now. 
Yeah, he's getting there. I think, uh, you know, I don't think he's all the way there. Um, and I think if you've watched the games, you know, he's he, there are games and stretches where he has struggled. Uh, but when he's on, he looks a lot like old clay, uh, which I think is what the Warriors need. But, you know, it's not even it's not even just him. I think it's a lot of the pieces that they've they've put around that core group. Um, you know, the, the Otto Porter Juniors and the Gary Payton II. Um, you know, Jordan Poole has sort of come into his own. Uh, and even if as they've lost guys, you know, the next man up thing that, you know, we've heard time and again in sports, you know, seems to be playing out. How we're talking with Grant Merrick from SFGate. I'm curious to know your thought on how critical Gary Payton II would be if he can come back. Uh, we're here in game two. Uh, if he can be relatively at full strength, how important is that? Yeah, I, I mean, huge. Um, you know, and I think a lot of it comes down to foul trouble. You know, I, I would sort of fully expect, you know, Wiggins to be the guy that starts on Tatum. Um, and, you know, having another body to be able to throw at him and Jalen Brown. I mean, this is, this is going to be the most balanced offensive attack, I think, that the Warriors have faced so far in the postseason. Um, and, you know, the Warriors, you know, it's, it's a lot of two-way guys where you need them on offense as much as you need them on defense. Having a guy like Gary Payton who, you know, the one thing that probably won't suffer from him being out is going to be his defense. Uh, having someone who can kind of lock in and, and not force you into a lot of help situations would be big. I actually thought that what we've seen in the last month, uh, Moses Moody in particular, because we'd gotten glances before of Jonathan Kaminga, and I think he's going to be a very useful player when he gets it completely figured out. But Moses Moody is looks like a real shooter. I mean, he's like the next in a tradition there, isn't he not? Yeah, I mean, it's wild. If you look at the Western Conference Finals, that was two 19-year-old guys, uh, you know, playing somewhat extended minutes at, at stretches of the games. And, you know, that just that hasn't happened in, you know, I think like 70 years, so basically since they started tracking that stat. Um, and, and, like, to, to see the next generation of Warriors already on the Warriors and participating in the postseason is pretty crazy. Um, I, I'll be really interested to see, you know, how much Steve Kerr ends up using those guys. I think it will really depend on the health of a lot of the guys who are on the shelf. You know, does Iguodala come back and play any sort of minutes at all? Um, Otto Porter is still a bit of an uncertainty. Um, you know, if those guys come back, maybe they slide farther down the bench. But, you know, the, the, the wild thing is, I was looking at this this morning, the Warriors uh, on their roster, eight of the players on their roster are guys that they drafted. Uh, Celtics, seven of the guys on their roster are guys they drafted. And it's most of the key guys. Like, to, to look at that two franchises that really built through the draft is pretty crazy. That just doesn't happen anymore. No, we are seeing that is like a dinosaur. It's fading away. <laughs> and it's really quite something that these two teams, in some ways, they are kind of mirrors of each other. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Okay, let me get your thought on how this breaks down. I mean, what? who do you like in it? And give me a couple of scenarios, one that would feature – a good run for Boston and another that would favor Golden State. Yeah. Um, I, I was, I was reading a few Boston publications this morning and they were positioning this as sort of the Celtics defense versus the Warriors offense and sort of dissecting who's going to prevail between those two, which I think is the wrong framing. Yeah. The Celtics had the second, uh, they, they had the second, they were second in defensive rating this season. They were first in opponents points per game. The Warriors were first in defensive rating and third in opponents points per game. I think it's ultimately going to come down to who gets stops. Um, I, I, there's been a lot of talk about the 
Celtics defense all throughout the entire postseason. And, and the Warriors actually have been a pretty elite defensive unit, even losing some of their key defensive guys, uh, which I think people are overlooking. I, I think that ultimately will probably be the difference. I think home, home court will be a big deal. Um, you know, the Warriors have taken care of business there. Perfect 9-0. and Celtics have struggled at home, but they've also been the playoffs' best road team. You know, like you said, they're, they're mirrors of each other in, in really, really interesting ways. Um, but, you know, I, I, I think ultimately, you know, the Warriors, I, I think, probably have a little bit of an edge. It's going to be a great final. Like, I don't, I don't think anyone is emphatically saying one team or the other is definitely going to win. Um, it feels like it could, could be close every single game just because of the makeup of these two teams. Um, for the Celtics, I think it really comes down to stopping Steph. Uh, you know, he, he has been, uh, you know, the, the, the Warriors' um, go-to guy every fourth quarter. I think he's averaging 9.5 points per game in the fourth. There's only four other guys who have done that in a playoff run in history. Wow. LeBron, MJ, Kobe, and Dirk. I mean, it, it all company. is going to come down yeah. to you got you have pretty good company. You know, can, can you slow Steph down when it matters? Uh, I think is going to be big. Um, and, and, and the Celtics actually, I think, have the first defensive team the Warriors have faced who have the pieces to do that. Every guy on the Celtics team can switch on to Steph and probably have some measure of success. It's going to be a lot harder to sort of single out a guy and be able to, you know, switch someone onto someone and, and create a great matchup. Um, the Celtics just their their small ball defensive lineup is a good one. Uh, yeah. And I think the Warriors sort of the same thing. And then, and then the other piece of this is, you know, like we didn't even get to really is, is the benches. Um, you know, the, the Jordan Poole versus Derek White, you know, who, who comes out on top there? I think Pritchard could have a really big season or big, a big series as well. I mean, there's a it's it's a lot of moving pieces. I think it's going to be close the whole way through. It could ultimately be a war of attrition. Um, I, you know, the, I would give – I like Peyton Pritchard. I liked him when he was at Oregon. Kid makes plays. I think at this level, though, I think it's a tough ask for him to be put on Steph Curry. I just, Oh, absolutely. I mean, that is going to be a mismatch. And, frankly, with a compromised ankle – I think Marcus Smart might be – that might be asking more than he can do because I think at full strength, he's got it, the physical strength. He can he can have a plan for Curry. I think it's harder to do when he's not at full strength. Yeah, what, one of our uh, columnists at SF Gate, Rod Benson, uh, former uh, basketball player at Cal, uh, went to the NBA, played overseas for many years. I, I talked to him sort of at length about this, and he ultimately thinks it's going to be, you know, it's going to come down to the war of attrition. The Warriors had six days off. The Celtics had three. The Celtics are still banged up. Smart and Williams are both questionable. Um, you know, the Warriors are going to ra- run them ragged more than any team has just, just by the nature of their offense. And, you know, it, it could ultimately come down to who stays healthy, right? You know, who who is able to – to get through all seven games with all their pieces. I think that's that's always huge, but especially with the personnel of, of the Warriors. Like, if you somehow remember when Marcus Smart sort of fell on Steph Curry and he was out 12 games, if something like that happens, this whole thing shifts around immediately. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. No question. Yeah, one of the things I that I really enjoy about watching the Warriors, because the NBA has become a back-it-down ISO ball league. I mean, that's what it is. And it's almost like these are the two teams most likely to eschew that and to move the ball rapid fire on the old premise that you can't move your feet as fast as we can pass the ball. I I just think it's been ever thus, 
and it's amazing because these are two teams who do a great job on it. Yeah. I mean, you look at the, the series the Warriors just got out of. It was really a tale of two NBAs, right? I mean, Luka Doncic was, is the focal point of the Mavs. Everything that they do runs through him. Yeah. He is, you know, ball dominant. Uh, he's backing guys down. They're trying to switch people onto him to give him the best matchup. And the Warriors, meanwhile, you know, it was sort of a, you know, every, every man contributing. Uh, it was, you know, poetry in motion in terms of the way the offense is run. And you get to the fourth quarter and it's, you know, who's hot. Well, and one of the funny things is because I think Doncic is a great shooter and a great scorer, but one of the things when you watch him, he almost never looks like he's entirely at full speed. You know what I mean? He's yeah. got a pace to him, <laughs> and he's not changing that. That's his pace, and <laughs> you're going to have to play at it. Yeah. Really yeah, I, th I think the thing that's really the – really, the thing that I think is most interesting about this matchup is it, it's a lot of good on good. Right. It, it is a lot of situations where the best defensive player on the Celtics, Marcus Smart, is going to be guarding the best offensive player on the Warriors. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, on the opposite end, you know, Wiggins is the best defensive player on the Warriors. He's going to be going up against Tatum, you know, Tatum yeah. who's the best offensive player on the Celtics. Um, the, the one that could be interesting, I think, is, you know, defensively for the Warriors. What do they do with Steph and Draymond? Um, I think there is, you know, there, there are a few. You know, people out there are saying potentially there's a Horford and Smart switch because uh, you know stopping Horford from driving to the or stopping Smart from driving to the basket would be big, and Draymond's a guy who could probably do that. Um, and, you know, Steph has been able to hold him his own to an extent a lot of those times. Um, you know, you also could throw Steph on Brown and put Clay on Horford. There's, I think it's going to be interesting. We've seen the entire postseason. Steve Kerr has done pulled out every trip trick in the books. He's thrown out the junk defenses. Uh, you know, he's he's started a whole bunch of different lineups, which I think is something you don't usually see from Steve Kerr. Um, it'll be fascinating sort of that coaching matchup as we get deeper in. You know, a guy who I have really developed an appreciation for is Kevon Looney. Here, here's a guy that had hip, hip surgery and doesn't have perhaps the explosiveness he once did. He does a better job of getting two lateral steps to a bat to a loose ball than anybody I've seen in this league. He is really a valuable guy. Yeah, he's the guy, too, who I think when the Warriors got into those series where, you know, they were going, uh, you know, uh, other teams are going big when Memphis is going big. Looney's the guy who stepped in and sort of saved the day to an extent, yeah. right? Like, because the Warriors, their small ball lineup worked very well early on. It stopped working, and they were able to sort of shift and use Looney as a key piece of that. His rebounding has been, uh, like, absurd this postseason. Um, and just the Warriors unit as a whole, you know, I think – They've talked about that a couple times, not getting a lot of credit for how good of a rebounding team they are. Uh, but they really are, you know, to a man. There's, there's not anyone who really has is, a, is that fault there. You know, I just, uh, sometimes I marvel because it seems like they're almost undercounting Steph Curry's rebounds. I'm watching the guy, and I'm like, that's got to be at least five already. I mean, yeah. the guy's 6'3 and a buck 85. It's unbelievable that he re rebounds <laughs> like this. Yeah, it's a, it's a, you know, the selflessness that, that Steph has had sort of, sort of throughout the postseason, you know, you see that in the rebounding, you see that in him coming off the bench. You know, it's a, there's a reason he didn't get those finals MVPs, and it's not just because he wasn't the best player on the team. It's because that's, that's who self has, Steph has made himself, you know. You look, Wiggins is a really interesting guy. You know, you see a lot of interviews with him where he's saying that that's something that he's learned when he came to the Warriors is that, you know, it is next man up. It is, you know, being selfless. It is doing the thing that no one else wants to do. It's picking up Doncic full court. 
you know, it's doing the little dirty things that, you know, a lot of other teams, their stars maybe don't want to do. It's, it's something that we see on the words. Everyone we've talked about so far, that's sort of the, the, you know, the mantra of this team. Well, it's one of those things. It's so much fun to watch. Grant, we appreciate your time today. Enjoy the series. Thanks much. All right. Thanks, Bobby. Appreciate it. Grant Merrick from SF Gate. We're going to take a timeout right back on ESPN Honolulu. This is the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. And the Sideline Hawaii app. Welcome back. We've had a slight change in schedule. We're going to have Emma Spann, one of my favorites. She's from The Athletic, works out of New York, fabulous on Major League Baseball. She's got to be surprised somewhat about the New York Mets. We'll be right back on the Bobby Curran Show, ESPN, Honolulu. Now, Bobby Curran on ESPN, Honolulu, and the Sideline Hawaii app. Welcome back. One of the things I have learned over time, because I think that I was under the misapprehension that much of the country would be get it, would get excited about the possibility of a subway series. There's nothing that could be further than the tr from the truth than people around the rest of the country caring about like a New York Mets, New York Yankees World Series. There's zero they could care less, and that was proven. The last time we had a Subway Series, the ratings were terrible. Now, I still think if you live in New York, and because some of these, these teams have struggled, so I think people who are native New Yorkers love this. They think it's great. They're not, they've learned better. They've learned not to trumpet that because you'll get the, end, the undying enmity of everybody else. But I certainly understand why people in New York like that. Here's the thing. I don't think anybody could have seen this coming, both the Yankees and the Mets being this good. I mean, in some ways, you would say, well, why wouldn't the Mets have been there? Well, some guys didn't have good years last year. Francisco Lindor, for example, signed that huge contract. He, he was sort of a no-show last year. But here, you get Max Scherzer to join Jacob deGrom. I think a lot of people would say, arguably, Jake deGrom is the best pitcher, I mean, he may be as good as anybody in Major League Baseball when he's healthy. And Max Scherzer is just one of those Iron Man types. Well, here's the deal. They're both out. And yet the Mets just keep on crushing people. I don't know how anyone could have seen that coming. Not with the injuries. I, I'm just thinking. Well, this is one thing that I sh I'm sure everybody in that organization is very happy about. It's not like Steve Cohen is a guy that's holding up a flamethrower to his to the dollar satchels. He's not that guy. I mean, he'll spend and he's willing to spend on anything he thinks is reasonable. And if something he can identify is going to help the Mets win, he's not shy about spending. He's not a willpower. I mean, he's spending. But it's not nilly-willy. And I've been impressed with that because he has some level of discipline despite the fact that he will spend money. And that, I didn't think the Yankees would be this good either. So I'm really surprised by both the New York teams and someone who is right in the cauldron, 
uh, with us now from the athletic Emma Span. Hi, Emma. How are you? Hey, how you doing? Hey, you know, I, I suppose there was reason to think with a healthy Jacob deGrom and a healthy Max Scherzer that the Mets would be pretty special. I, I think there were a couple things you couldn't have counted on. I think Chris Bassett was better than maybe some people thought he was going to be, and I thought Tyler McGill was a bonus when he came on to replace, you know, the injured Jacob deGrom. So, I mean, that was great, but the Mets are just continuing to crush people. I, I yeah. didn't see that coming. Did you? Well, I, I actually thought they were going to be very good, but what I but if you had told me that they would lose DeGrom and Scherzer and still be this good, that's the part that I would not have yeah. not have bought. Um, and there's you know there's been some some of the stuff that we were hoping to see under the new ownership. I think you're seeing you know for example getting rid of Robinson Cano, much as he used to be a fun player to watch. You know he he doesn't have it anymore, and and they ate that contract, and you know they went with their best players, and they're you know they're they're really they're investing in the team the way people hoped they would for so long. Well, I, I, one of the things I was saying this is sort of an intro, an intro. Steve Cohen strikes me as he's the perfect billionaire because he's hmm. generally regarded as the wealthiest guy in baseball. He, but he doesn't just take the flamethrower to the, to the wheelbarrow full of cash. He seems to spend intelligently. He's never going to not spend if he can identify that this is a way for this team to get better. But that is such a far cry from the Wilpons. It's, un it, it's almost hard to get used to, if you're a Mets fan, that this is your team. Yeah, it is very different. And, you know, I will say, too, I was pretty skeptical about um, Billy Epler, who doesn't have a ton of Experience. success with the yeah. Angels. Um, but, uh, you know, I mean, we'll see. Like, they, it's still early, and as many of my Mets friends will remind me, there's plenty of time for them to Screw fall up. apart. But I think whatever else... But whatever else happens this season, you're certainly seeing a lot of positive steps and a lot of building, you know, for a brighter future. Yeah, we're talking with Emma Spann from The Athletic. What's your sense of when they're likely to get DeGrom and Scherzer back? Um, you know, oblique injuries are tricky. I know Scherzer, Scherzer's a guy who he will get back as soon as he humanly can. can. Like, he will, you know, if he has to, like, staple his own arm together to get <laughs> in the playoffs, you know, he will. Um I think, you know, they said, was it six to eight weeks for that? I, I would, you know, he's someone who generally has been pretty healthy. I think, you know, you never know with those things, but it's reasonable to expect him back in, in that time frame. So, um, DeGrom, you know, he's making progress. Was, they're not going to rush him. Um, but I think second half of the year, I think August seems reasonable. Um, so hopefully, you know, that will be a, it's quite a boost if you go into the playoffs and add those two pitchers. You know, oh, if they can just hang uh, on until then. Yeah. Jay, well, Jacob DeGrom, I don't know. I, I, it's funny about him because as you'd think by now, anybody who's been watching him would be convinced that he's maybe the best pitcher in baseball when he's healthy. I, I just, I'm always, every time there's a twinge, I'm always afraid we're never going to see that Jacob DeGrom again. Is that just, is that just my hard-earned Met paranoia? <laughs> No, you know, it is, unfortunately, the, the, the biggest predictor of future injuries is your past injury history, and he has been, he has been hurt a lot. Um, and there are, some, there are some pitchers who just, they just can't throw that hard and stay healthy. I think I've said this before, I wish he would just take a few miles per hour off. He could still pitch very, very well and hopefully preserve that, that arm of it. Um, I don't think it's unreasonable to be worried about him. Is it, you know, he's, there's just been so many injuries. He's so good, but so injured. So I... You know, 
I do worry a little bit about whether he can, you know, whether he can, is built to maintain that kind of velocity. Let me ask you about some of the position players that, that in your mind have maybe outplayed their contracts. I mean, you know, on the Mets, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I wouldn't. He's not. He has not outplayed his contract, but it is a relief to me to see Francisco Lindor be, you know, a, a living up to again. it at least. Yes, I. I got yeah, you. I mean, I think he's even better than he's shown so far. But at least he's not gonna like. I think. I think psychologically and without knowing him, of course, or what he's thinking, it's a, you know, I think it just lifts a huge burden once you have that success and you know you can do it here. You know. Um. But yeah, I mean, I think you know. Um, Mark Canha is not someone I necessarily expected a ton from. Um, I did like Sterling Marte. I've always, I've always thought he was an underrated player, so good to see him doing well. Yeah, I mean, they're, you know, they're, it's not a team with a lot of superstars, but they're making it work. No, absolutely. Let's go cross town for a second. There were people who thought that Aaron Judge had lost his mind when he turned mm -hmm. down whatever it was, 210 or 214 or some ridiculous lifetime financial security because he just decided he wanted to place a bet on himself. That mm -hmm. is that looks right now like that's going to work out big for him. It does. Yeah, it's it's always a risk and you know, there's a chance he pulls his hamstring tomorrow and then it looks very different, but certainly he's having an amazing season. And I thought too, I thought, you know, the Yankees offered him was not unreasonable um given his track record and health issues, right? It was a it was not like they totally lowballed him. Um, but yeah, he, every, I think it's like every giant game winning home run, he just gets himself more money. He's really, you know, taken a ton of pressure and just thrived under it. What's your sense? How far can the Yankees go? I mean, I still think they need more pitching. Um, but if they can get that at the trade deadline, and I don't know why they couldn't, um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, this is a play, you know, this is a pretty strong playoff team. I mean, they're right up there right now. Again, like I... There's maybe a little bit of smoke and mirrors going on with that rotation. Like, I, I love Nestor Cortez, but is he, can he really keep doing this? Maybe the answer is yes. Um, but if I were Brian Cashman, I would get some insurance. Um, but, yeah, I did. They're, you know, I think they're going to be a, a strong a strong playoff force. You know, that guy, Cortez, is looking so good. It's almost hard to believe. He's been so fun to watch, too, because it's not just, like, the traditional, you know, fireballer. He's really got that, like uh, – Exception and a delivery. It's kind of like a you don't see that kind of pitcher as much these days, and I love watching that kind of pitcher. So he's, he's been amazing. But again, you look at his track record, and like maybe he's turned a corner and he's going to be like this from now on. But you know, maybe the other leagues have to figure him out a little bit. Like I, you know, I hope he can keep it up, but I don't know. But somebody said his velocity is up like three miles per hour from what it's been in the past. Is that true? His velocity is. I don't know if it's up three miles an hour. I have to check at his stats, but he's certainly, like, he's not the, the guy who's going out there and overpowering you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he's, he's, he's relying much more on deception and, and kind of outthinking people, which is fun. But maybe he's got enough to keep people honest a, a little bit, which is, I think, some people have doubts about. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I it's possible. I hope so. Um, again, if I'm Brian Cashman, I'm going to go ahead and say, let's just <laughs> let's just start getting insurance. He just hasn't thrown that many innings in a season before either. So, you know, he's, um, you know, they've been pretty, pretty you know, fairly healthy. Um, but you, I think you want to, you want to have another pitcher or two there. And, and Aroldis Chapman has not been, uh, the closer that he has been in the past, although they have other people who've stepped up. Let me ask you about this. How are the crowds been generally at both of the New York venues? 
Um, you know, pretty good. I mean, I think the Mets maybe made a little bit more excited than the Yankees who sort of, you know, expected. Um, you know, but uh, it's, been, it's been a weird season, too, because there's been a lot of bad weather and delays and rainouts and, and all that. But, um, you know, I mean, these are, these are two very uh, engaged fan bases always. Always good stuff. Emma, so enjoy talking to you. Have a, uh, have a terrific middle of the season. All right. Thanks very much. Thank you. Emma Spann from The Athletic. Let's take a quick timeout. We'll be right back on ESPN Honolulu. The Bobby Curran Show is brought to you by Dr. Charles Arakaki at Ohana Men's Clinic. Visit drcharlesarakaki.com. Seventeen on this Thursday edition of the program. I wanted to get to this, and I don't know if you have a strong opinion on this, Tanner. But w the other day we were watching the. It was by one of the last games of the final, the last series, and Steph Curry does that shimmy shake thing. He he'll make shots and he'll do kind of. I, I find it playful. It doesn't irritate me the way some guys will celebrate. It's more like the crowd is sort of with him on it, you know, as opposed to him just putting on the Ritz. And then I see suddenly Clay Thompson makes the shot, and he's doing it. <clears throat> I'm like, holy smokes, this is contagious in this place. And I'm thinking, this has gotten to be <clears throat> part of the Chase Center. It's part of the environment at the Chase Center. It probably has been before they were in the new building, but it seems to have gotten next level a little bit <clears throat> i'm wondering i'm just waiting for some i'm waiting for moses moody to get in on the act i mean i think it's coming it's one of the fun things i would guess and i did read didn't see a price but i read that these are the most expensive the tickets have ever gotten to see golden state now i'm just guessing you got you're a huge high-tech industry generally speaking, in that area. You have a beautiful new facility, a team that is l historically good. Of course, is there any surprise that tickets are pricey? Well, what are you thinking when you hear, oh, that's a really expensive ticket? What are you thinking? A couple hundred bucks a seat? I'm thinking thousands, man. Because thousands, When wow. you think about it, when it gets to games like these, I just start to expect that. Remember Shashevsky's last game? Remember those prices that those tickets were being sold for? But that was that only the really good seats? Well, that those were the last <sighs> remaining seats for that because it was Shashevsky's last game, so everyone has to see it. With this, I think you know, unfortunately, it probably does correlate a little bit with some sort of inflation. You know, you have to pay certain people more, so you have to pay a little more for the ticket, et cetera, et cetera. But with this finals run, it's in a new building. It's an exciting team, and you want to make sure you watch this one, I guess, because you never know if you're going to ever go back to another one. Because Steph is 34. He's pushing it. Yeah, is he 34? Yes, but he's a young 34. He's a young 34. He is pushing it. So you never know what's going to happen, especially later in these NBA careers. But, yeah, I'm thinking thousands probably. If not, maybe a lot, a lot, a lot of hundreds. Yeah, if I, I guess. I mean, I think the better the seat, obviously, the more you're going to pay for it. But if you're anywhere near the court, i got to think that's a very pricey ticket. And I understand why it would be. 
I someone had told me, not, and I have no, nothing to base this on outside of the person telling me. They said that the one of the biggest bargains in the NBA is Milwaukee. That it's as good as they've been and as good as Giannis is and Chris Middleton. I mean, uh, Drew Holiday, it's an entertaining team. But for some reason, the tickets aren't. They're not stretched like you pay way more for a Clippers ticket than you pay for a Milwaukee Bucks ticket. I Maybe it's just, you know, the whole coastal elite thing. I, I'm assuming because I would think that the more entertaining team to watch would be the Bucks. I think it would also be context because this is a finals game. And when I look at ESPN and they have that link to uh, the seat provider for the Chase Center, they're saying tickets as low as $538. Oh, my God. As low. So don't worry. This is the cheapest ticket you're going to find is $538, which is probably only 100 less than a, than a uh, ticket to California at this point. I remember Gary Dickman loves to go to live games, and it's a big thing for him. The New York Knicks were playing, I want to say it was Houston. Does that sound right? Houston Rockets in a postseason. It was like a semifinal type thing. And this is years ago now. And he was paying, this is back in the day now. He was spending 700 bucks for the ticket. I remember just being, I said, I made him repeat it to me. I couldn't believe it. I have never spent 700 I spent $700 for a major accessory to the house. I mean, I'm just not that guy. I mean, the guy that's going to go out and spend $1,000 on a ticket. We got tickets. We were all, we were playing San Diego State, UH was. And so a bunch of us decided to stay overnight because the next day the Denver Broncos were playing the Chargers and they had both Ma'a Tanavasa and Jason Elam on the team at the time. And Mike Cavanaugh, who'd been a longtime offensive line coach, was back. He had been prior uh, to that a quality control coach at San Diego. So he knew everybody. And he had offered, you guys are going to go. You guys need tickets. We were like, yes, sir. He goes, I can't get them for free. He goes, but I can get a hell of a rate. And I remember, I, want, I, if, I hope I have this right. I'm pretty sure we paid $72 a ticket. Now, we were really close to the field. Was end zone, but probably seven rows back. And I remember thinking, now, I was the only one. I couldn't even give voice to it because it would have been such an outlier thing. But I said $72. That was and remains the most I have ever paid for a ticket to anything. I got spoiled. I was working in sports, could always get a press pass, never had any, so, and that's always a great seat. Never had to worry about forking over hard-earned cash. I remember thinking $72. What is my wife going to think? She's going to think I've lost my mind. And, uh, of course, she didn't think anything of the sort. She kind of got that that was it. But we all did. We all paid $72 for those tickets. And it was so funny because in the group, some people were like, wow, this is, like, free. And I was on the other, whatever the other extreme is of that, that was me. I was like, 72 
bucks for a ticket to a game. I just found that outrageous. All right, where, what's the most you've ever paid? And I'm including, it can be a concert, it can be games, it can be anything. What have you, what's the most you ever paid for a ticket to something? You saying that 72 is like the most expensive is, it hurts me because um, <laughs> as you remember, I took a trip to Michigan in October to watch the Michigan-Michigan yeah. State game. And um, I can only give an approximate because I did buy two tickets and it was from a ticket provider. So there is an added ticket fee to it. But in total for those two tickets to watch the Michigan-Michigan State game, of which both were undefeated at the time, it costed me a total of $650. Holy smokes. And that was Starbucks money right there, baby. Was that painful? Yes, it was very painful, especially because the thing was like $80 upcharged for ticket fees that oh. wasn't listed before I bought it. Yeah. And then when I was about to buy, I looked up and I'm like, wait, why is this way more than what it said it was? And it's like ticket fees or like oh. providing fees or something oh. like that. It was with like one of those, you know, like ticket websites. And I was just like, wow, they couldn't have just included that with the ticket seat price before. But I guess that's how they get you these days. But in all, it was probably one of the best games I've ever watched in my entire life. Well, you got a result you wanted. I got my money's worth. I went no to college doubt. game went day. I was at the field from 6 a.m. all the way until the end of the game, which was like 3. So I definitely got my money's worth that day. There is a place. I When I uh, had gone to call the UH Michigan game, and I invited a couple of my friends because they both had good eyes. And I said, you guys want to be the spotters? i got to hire them anyway. And uh, you'll, you'll get a ticket. You'll be in the press box. You'll get fed the whole bit. And they were like, oh, great. That'd be fun. So they did it. So after the game, we went to this place that apparently in Ann Arbor is extremely well-known. It's a restaurant called Zingerman's. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. But in any case, so we went to Zingerman's. And... Basically, because I had gotten those guys in the press box, they wanted to treat me to dinner. That was a bargain. You got to see Michigan. You got to see UH in the big house. And I got spotters that were free. And then I got dinner at Singerman. So I consider that. That's my idea of going to a game. Because it does not really lay out anything. So, yeah, the 72 hurt me. That for this thing, the NFL game, Broncos Charger. That 72 is tough. I got over it, though. But I don't know that I would get over it. Like, Gary Dickman still to this day will think nothing of spending six, seven, eight hundred $800 for a ticket to something. I just don't get that. I, I couldn't do it. I just would I'd drive me. I, I couldn't enjoy the event because I'd feel like I was so, so drastically overspending. And some people would say I wasn't overspending at all. It's 27 minutes past. I would love for someone to pass on to me what your the most expensive event, and I'm including concerts. I don't include things like going on a cruise ship. That doesn't count. This is like a one-day event. So game, concert, something of that ilk. The most you've ever spent for the one-day entertainment Per ticket. I, I'm curious about this because I, I recognize I'm an outlier. 28 minutes past. 
We got Ben on the line. Hey, Ben, what's up? Hey, Bobby, good morning. Morning. So anyway, I, wa I wanted to tell you um, the, the, uh, the price of a uh, ticket to a San Francisco Giant game, I think it's five bucks. And uh, between, uh, it was a doubleheader. And in between our uh, games, Crosby, Stills, and Nash played. Holy smokes. And, yeah, yeah, it was great. One of my favorites. And, uh, <clears throat> as far as um, concert is concerned, I paid uh, 25 bucks to see Led Zeppelin and uh, 50 bucks to see Pink Floyd. It was uh, two of the greatest concerts I've ever been to. Wow, I, I do remember paying, I want to say, $52 to see the Rolling Stones at Hampton Roads Coliseum in Virginia. That was like, oh. that hurt. That was, uh, but I mean, I really wanted to do it, so I didn't. That somehow seemed like a better deal than 72 bucks for the Chargers Broncos, actually, if I have to be honest oh, yeah. about it. That was crazy. Yeah, so, I mean, I, it sounds like you're sort of in my camp. You, you, basically, you're not a guy who thinks like, ah, 700 bucks for a ticket. That's nothing. Oh no! Yeah, I you're not that, that guy, and I and I certainly uh, am not either. I don't even pretend on that one. That the physical yeah, pain I, would be too much. Funny. Yeah, I love the Warriors. I love the Warriors, but I wouldn't pay like the five or six hundred bucks a ticket. Is it, isn't that how much they're charging? He just said the cheapest ticket was at five forty-eight. I think something in that general area it was five hundred yeah. and change, mid five. So. But yeah. I've told I have this argument with Gary Dickman all the time because he gets he he hosts at the Diamond Head, and so a couple of times his teams have been to the Final Four. One yeah. of now I remember one of them was UMass, and another one was Maryland. They got to the Final Four, and so because Gary does way above like other guys, just meet them at the airport and. You know, take, maybe take them out for a meal, but that's it. But Gary does the yeah. laundry. I mean, Gary is crazy. What He does anything for those coaches that he can think of to help them. But it endears them to him. So Maryland gave yeah. Gary a ticket. It was like six rows back of the bench. This is the final four for both the Saturday and the Monday yeah. game. And so Gary said, oh, I don't know what to do. I got offered, he got offered, I, I want to say it was 26, 2700 bucks for that ticket. And he was like agonized. He was like, I just can't sell it. I said, you can't sell it? Are you serious? You have got to be kidding me. I said, here's what you do. You go, you sell that ticket, you get that 2600 in your pocket, you walk down the street to a great hotel bar slash restaurant. You get yourself a big fat steak and a bottle of wine, and you sit there in front of the TV, and you watch that game. You can cheer for Maryland all you want, and when you walk out of that hotel bar, you'll still have 2400 bucks in your pocket. <laughs> and he just say, I can't do it. I said... You, here's a guy that was at certain times of his life really struggling. I said, you've got to be kidding me. I don't even understand that. I really don't. I have what to admit, he, I don't. He, no, he didn't. He, he just went to the game, and he sat, and he enjoyed it, and he uh, turned down people with big cash in their hands. And I said, you just need someone sensible to be in your life like me. And I yeah. said, because I'd have you handing that over for 2700 2600 cash in a heartbeat.
in a New York second. Yeah. Seemed crazy to me. Yeah. yeah. I like I like the I like his uh, talk show with you know, Chris Hart. Yeah. Yeah. They cra- they cracked me up, but uh, good for Gary though. Gary will. I mean, he's loyal too. So he he is going to. You know, he gets that ticket, and the guy gave him the ticket. He wouldn't have sold it. I, I think he could have gone even way higher, and he wouldn't have sold it. So he's a different yeah. he's a different cat than I am. He says, what, what if yeah. they look back there and they don't see me? I'm like, I'd tell them I was in the bathroom. Well, you got to be kidding me. I wouldn't even think about that. Listen, I'm not going to root for them any less. I'm just not going to be there. Jeez, Louise. Yeah. Anyway, thank you for the call. 296-1420. If you uh, want to jump in on this conversation, I freely admit I'm a cheapskate. I, I just can't see. I mean, you get into a certain place. You got a family, you got a mortgage. You, you know, you. I just don't. I don't throw money around nilly willy. I just can't. I don't feel like I can. I mean, there's probably times when my wife would say, "Can you lighten up that cheap? We were on a vacation and stayed in this subpar place in Scotland, and I never heard the end of it." Because I was like, well, you know, well, listen, it's just, it's just a place to sleep. Turned out it was a little bit less than a place to sleep. It was not a good place. And But we had other people that we knew from the islands here who were, were over there. We met them on vacation there. And they, they pulled out the stops. They stayed in a really nice house right across from the beach. We were at this place where if you stood up in the shower, you banged your head. 296-1420. We'll take a timeout right back. On ESPN, Honolulu. Follow us on Twitter at Bobby Curran Show. This is ESPN Honolulu and the Sideline Hawaii app. Welcome back. Uh, we've been talking a little bit. And I, I admit to this because there's no denying it. I'm a cheapo when it comes to, like, springing big money on tickets, especially for events that are on TV. I, I just have a hard time doing that. I have an exception to this, though. Uh, special occasion restaurants. You know, anniversary, wife's birthday. I mean, I'm, I'll step up on that a little bit. Um, you know, not un, would not be unheard of for me to blow four four hundred bucks on a dinner. So some people say, well, that doesn't seem consistent. I, somehow that seems like a better value to me. Anyway, we've got Peter on the line. What's up, Peter? Hi, Bobby. What's up? Okay, <laughs> lifelong Ram fan. When they made it to the NFC Championship game, uh, my wife and I decided, okay. We got to go. Wow. We always wanted to go to SoFi for it's a bucket list thing. So we paid 700 bucks a piece for the ticket. Ooh. It was the best sports money I ever spent. Wow. It's Good for you. Well, I'm glad you felt. First of all, you guys won the game. So I that know. was great. That was a, but but it's just the bottom line is live sports are Our always going to beat, no beat TV. That's, I mean, it's true. great to see the replays and the whole bit, but. If live sports, you can't beat it. So I for agree. us, and I'm, I mean, I don't regret it at, at all. <laughs> now, the regular price for going to SoFi, you know, we checked it out already. The regular price for Ram games is running around three, 400 bucks for the cheapest seat. 
but that place is so fantastic. I mean, it wasn't a bad even state you, type of thing. Yeah, yeah, that's really the way it is. And just to give, just back in the day, um, growing up in Pasadena, we went to see the Rams and the Steelers play in in uh, Super Bowl, and that was the Bradshaw days oh, and all yeah. that stuff. And and I think the ticket then was about. Seventy-five dollars, so right. that seemed fantastically high at the time. But these days, you know that that's just the way it is. And and if it's a bucket list thing and it's your own team, you can't. I, I can. I, I, I can it. relate I, I to Gary. I get that. I, I mean, I can. I understand it because it's a memory, and you're kind of creating a moment. So I get that. I just can't pull the trigger myself. It's just, I mean, I'm just being honest there. I could, I could lie and tell you, no, I get that. Not only do I get it, I'm forking out that 800 bucks or 700, but it's just not. The, it would it'd be a lie. I wouldn't be true. So I just well, can't bring myself to do that. I maybe I will. Maybe if the Giants were in a Super Bowl, maybe it would take that. That maybe I would say, you know what? I'm going to get a couple of my buddies here that are Giant fans, and we're going to do this. Maybe that would be the case, but I just can't even imagine it right now. I mean, with kid, with, like as soon as you get the tuition bill for your kid's college, that like just that takes my appetite for big expenditures right out the window. <laughs> just saying, just being yeah. honest. That's how it yeah, is for me. No. But I appreciate yeah. your call. Good stuff. Thanks, Peter. We've got somebody else. Is it Wayne's on the line? What's up, Wayne? Hey, Bobby. If we're in, if we're including travel to go to these games i was in i was in for three grand to follow the follow the bows to westwood the other month if we're including travel and car and hotel to enjoy the are you talking about for football last year no i'm, I'm talking about for volleyball this past oh month. i got you okay sure yeah, national championship yeah, we stayed 10 days. We did everything, and I, I throw in the car and the room into that. But, yeah, we I was in for three grand to go watch those boys, and it was for the moment. As soon as we won the MPSF, I said, Mom, I'm going to go. Let's go. And, uh, yeah, it was, was really kind of um, off the cuff there. I knew I could have enjoyed it on TV, but it was uh, the games were quite uh, uh, and. They were worth the entertainment factor. Well, I think there's a couple of things that added to that. First of all, yeah. I don't know if anybody <laughs> thought Hawaii even had a prayer of sweeping Long Beach State. I don't think anybody thought that was coming. I think some people thought Hawaii would win. But the sweep thing was just a bonus. To just completely right. emasculate somebody like that and a big rival. I mean that's that's twice in a that's row. pretty special. No doubt they did it to BYU the year before. That's pretty special. So I, I'm not throwing any stones at that one. That's a memory you'll never forget. That. Right, right. So I get that. I, I do. Even though I have trouble doing it myself, I get that one. Next year's in Virginia. They, I'll, I'll have free room and board up there. There you go. You got for your friends up there, I guess. Right, right, right. Oh, that'll be the way. Okay. Okay, and they could win it again next year. Let's not be let's not be foolish because last year they had nobody back. This year they got everybody back. Right, right. So I'm, who knows? That's not that's not an impossible thing. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it, Wayne. And we have we got texts, or should we take a break first? Let's take a break. Go ahead. Text text us up. 
So we do have our first one from the 542, basically on the same topic as for paying for games. This person from the 542 is saying Raiders and Chiefs. I'm going to assume this is probably the Las Vegas, but he said it had to be, yeah. He said 2100 for 3 tickets. Oh, wow. That would have pained me. I mean, listen, I we called the game there, right? The day before was was Hawaii UNLV crappy game. Hawaii lost a game they should have won. So that never makes me super happy. But it was a nice place first time I was there. But we were looking around at some of those prices to possibly think of staying over. And I just, that was, it was so, because that actually wasn't a bad, compared to what I was seeing, that wasn't too bad. There was some, if you really wanted a great ticket, they were 3500 apiece for great tickets. I'm talking between the 45s. I mean, I just could no more do, I, I just can't even tell you how out of the question for me that would be. And even the seven hunch for a te per ticket. So for three people, 21? No, sorry. I, I just, I, unless I know myself, couldn't do it. 296, 14, 20. You got another text? And then from the 343, three, they're saying, my brother and I saw the Chicago Bears versus Minnesota Vikings at Soldier Field for 375 a ticket on a Sunday night football game four years ago. Seats were decent. They're about 40-yard line halfway up in the stadium. Wow. That's, well, that's, you know, that's not, as that's not quite as outrageous. Right? That's not 375, he said? That's not crazy, crazy. I can think of crazy, but that wouldn't, that doesn't get it. I would say Kansas City Chiefs Raiders at 700 a pop for three tickets is crazier, in my opinion. Just saying. 296 1420 is the number. If you have a story, we'd love it. Text us, call us. Uh, I love these stories because I. I can put myself there. I can I can deal with the decision making. I just rare, very rarely would come up with the same decision as people who pull the trigger on that stuff. I would start seeing, you know, tuition bills at my at my crossing in front of my brain pan. Go ahead, another text. From the two three three, they're saying spent two thousand on a plane ticket to go to the sugar bowl. And we all know how that turned out. Wow. That's tough. I, I get that. Now, I love this. I, people said to me, how was that whole Super Bowl? Because we were there for almost a week. We went in, I think, I want to say we went, whatever it was, five days out. So they were, we, I was emceeing events at restaurants and stuff, or, you know, for the party. It was great. I mean, that part, everything at the oyster bars walking around the French Quarter, everything about, someone said, how was the experience? I said, everything except the game was first rate. The game sucked. Just going to tell you the truth. The game was lousy. I still to this day believe that Georgia was offsides a bunch in that game, and somehow they were timing the thing up and weren't getting it called. I still think that. 296. 1420 is the number. So, but yeah, New Orleans is a, you know, if you are going to have sort of a party and you've got a lot of people you know there and it's like one of those things and you're, you're into the eating and the drinking because 
let's face it, that is a great restaurant town. And I actually thought it was terrific. Had great fun. Got taken out by, uh, I actually had worked or was involved with a huge dinner. A couple of people ran it from here. Turned out they kind of got ripped off. It was a big event place, but and it was a bit of a scandal at the time. But I actually was meeting people, was meeting people. Roy was one of them, Roy the restaurateur. And um, and he, he was going to, we were going to see his buddy, Paul Kay, who is a famous chef, looks like Pavarotti. He was towards the end of his life then. We went to his restaurant. And because Roy is a is a chef on that same level that it was unbelievable. We got, they were putting on the Ritz for us. It was fabulous. That, going to a dinner like that was really special. And and loved it. You got another text. Fire it up. This is from the 542. I think this is the, I'm going to assume, they're going to say this. Chiefs covered expenses by covering over and winning the game. Wow. See, but here. You oh, look. this is the same guy for the five four two that paid the twenty one hundred for the tickets. So he won twenty one hundred. I'm assuming they covered expenses at least. That's pretty. I'll tell you what. That you know why that's really risky. If he'd lost, he's out forty two hundred. I'm just saying. I mean, it's ten minutes in front of eight o'clock. We got to take a quick timeout. Right back on the Bobby Curran Show, ESPN Honolulu. This is the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu and the Sideline Hawaii app. Welcome back on this Thursday. We've been having great fun with the text. You have, I understand, another one or two. Yes, yeah, so we have this one from the 853. They don't go into the price, but they do say 49ers versus Rams this season. Levi's much cheaper than SoFi for equivalent seats. Wow. So how, he didn't say how much the ticket was, though. I just got one. This is a guy. I won't mention his name because he is someone I know. And he said, used to, used to work at Hawaii Kai Golf Course. And he was telling me that he went December 6th with his best girl. They went to the uh, at Allegiant, which is the Raiders' home field in Vegas. He went to the Denver Raiders game. First row of the upper level, $199. Now, let me be clear. I don't think I would pay that. I, I still think I probably would beg off. But that is, now we're talking at least something you could couch and say reasonable. Because I'm thinking the only person I would go with would be my wife. She could care less. So that would be basically wasting half that two, four hundred. Because she, she she'd rather go shopping or go to a show or do something else. Uh, she's not going to want to go sit at the, on the upper level of Allegiant Stadium. I'm just being practical here. 296, 1420. I'll tell you what I did think about spending some money on. And because I have my oldest loves the UFC stuff. And my wife said, you know, his birthday's coming up. Could you find one of these things and take him? Like, you know, she go somewhere on the mainland, just you guys fly there and 
you get a hotel and you go see the thing and then come back the next day. And I thought, yeah, it's cool. That'd be a fun thing because he really likes that. Um, those are not cheap tickets either, by the way, especially if you want a good ticket. So I didn't end up doing that, but I think I may. That's on the bucket list still. He, because he really enjoys that. It wouldn't be just one thing. He would be wanting to be. He'd want to be like you know. He he doesn't not really a better, but he does love picking the fights. So and he knows a lot about it. He studies it kind of. So he's pretty good at it. I would say, tell you what, I'll put the bet down. You just tell me the information. Because he is good at it. 296 1420 is the number. If you have something, go ahead, fire it up. So this is from Doc. He says, Back in 1996, I was a senior in college. I paid $150 each for two tickets in the nosebleed section to Lakers of Bulls at the forum from a broker. Five minutes after I hung up with the broker, Magic announced his return to the NBA. That game was his first home game back. I called the broker, and he honored the deal. He said he would have charged me 3000 wow. instead of the 150 each. Well, he's honest. I mean, that's pretty big markup, seems to me. But that's what those guys do. I mean, that's the first that's home game. Business. That's the first home game back for Magic. Right? right. That's their business. That's what they do. So I think when Gary spent that Houston Rockets money, because he was way up, and I want to say, I have to remember exactly, it was 7 or 750, something like that. And I remember just thinking, here's a guy that, you know, rent, when, when the rents do, it's, a, it's an interesting struggle for him at that, back then. And I am like, and you're going to pay 700 plus to go to this basketball game in the nosebleeds? It's crazy. Got to take a timeout. We'll be right back on the Bobby Curran Show, ESPN Honolulu. Now, Bobby Curran on ESPN Honolulu and the Sideline Hawaii app. Welcome back on this Thursday edition. It is opening day of the NBA Finals. going to be fun uh, later on. It's about a minute after 8 o'clock. We had to put off buy or sell, so let's do it now. The Bobby Curran Show presents Buy or Sell. Good morning, Bobby. This is seems to be the second, I think, I don't think in this week, but at least twice in the last two weeks where we've had the better late than ever edition yes. of buy or sell. And as you mentioned, it is the opening day of the NBA finals between the Boston Celtics and the Golden State Warriors. This, of course, will feature the top two defensive teams in the NBA. One boasts a strong overall offense focused on passing the ball, getting the ball around, not a lot of ISO, while another boasts a great scorer, a great number two option, and a flurry of really 
solid role players to help bail them out when they need it. Buy or sell, this finals will be decided on the battle between Tatum and Brown and the Splash Brothers. I, you know, that seems to be a popular opinion. And I'm not going to resist it because I think all four of the guys we're talking about can score almost regardless of how you play them defensively. Makes a big difference. So I'm going to buy that. I'm going to buy that these four can spell the difference. Buy, 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 buy. or sell. Sell, sell, sell. And after a pretty atrocious day of practice yesterday, admitted by both Tuatango Vailoa and Mike McDaniel and many, many members of the offense, they came back today and were on fire. As in practice, Tua had a pair of long 69 plus yard bombs to Tyreek Hill. And in the press conference afterwards, Mike McDaniel on the prospect of not having a quarterback that could throw the 80-yard ball. He said, you don't need a quarterback that can throw an 80-yard ball because you would need the best offensive line of all time to throw an 85-plus ball. And on Tua's comments, a lot of people noted, this is from Cameron Wolf, a reporter down in Florida, an open, happy and a little spicy Tua Tango Vailoa on his deep ball. The quote, Twitter warriors, keyboard warriors, whatever you want to call them, aren't out here practicing with us. I don't know if y'all recorded the last one to Tyreek. I don't know about you, but that looked like money. <laughs> Buy or sell, Mike McDaniel is proving he was the exact right answer for the Dolphins and Tua Tango Vailoa. I think that that's a purchase because I think that is exactly right. I think Mike McDaniel is a little looser than some of his prototypes around the league. He's, he wants them to have fun. He wants them to do things that are creative. And he wants them to be their best selves. How If you're a player, how perfect is that? Buy, 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 buy. or sell. Sell, sell, sell. And finally, it is noted that today... Quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick is calling it a career after in week one of last season getting at hip injury. He just was not able to get healthy from that. So after his 17 years and many, many, many different uniforms, 17 years will be all it is for Ryan Fitz magic. I, I buy, would buy or sell. Okay. Fitzpatrick will be that next great NFL folktale to talk about with your kids. He'll be one of, no question, he'll be one of them. So I would buy that, but I'd love to know, and you might be able to find this, I'd love to know how much he's made in the course of his career. I will bet you in a career that was largely felt spent holding clipboards, I will bet you this guy made tens of millions of dollars. That's my guess. I think he's made over 10 million bucks. That's a guess, but that's where I kind of think he's probably at. And I will say, Ryan Fitzpatrick has had a lot of starting jobs yes. as far as backup jobs. So total earnings come up to about $82 million. $82 million? $10 for million is weak money, weak sauce. That's what he got for being the backup slash starter in Tampa Bay. $82 million. That ranks above Nick Foles, Tarod Taylor, and Marcus Mariota. Wow. That's good, though. 
He didn't have to worry about where his next shekel's coming from. He's not clipping coupons. 296-1420 is our number. Are we done or do you have another one? Okay, we're done. I, I am going to preview this. We have another guest coming up, bottom of the hour. We're going to have Jerome DeRosier, who was the power forward on this past year's basketball team. Unfortunately, most of us, because we believed Jay Billis, apparently we were all wrong, because Jay Billis said this is about as close to a slam dunk as it gets. He goes, the NCAA cannot afford to go to court on this with players, with athletes, because they're going to lose. He said that this was taken away from them. There was nothing complicit with the players, the athletes themselves in the Ivy League. The Ivy League shut down. It was the, they were robbed of the year. He said it only is justice that they get it back. Well, nobody sued, and the NCAA, in its infinite wisdom, said, no, you're not getting the year back. You're all done. Painful. Because Hawaii had the situation where Jerome wanted to play. He, he really enjoyed playing here, was ready to put in the hard work for this final year, and the team wanted him. He, he was a very useful player. And now it looks like, I guess it's over. I, I guess that's what I'm hearing is that there's, there doesn't seem to be a possibility left. I kind of wish one of those people were talking about the tickets and all that stuff. I wish someone for whom money is not an object would come up and step in here and sue the NCAA. I don't know what they'd have to do to be able to get on the side of someone for whom it was important. But I would love to see that and love to see all of those Ivy League kids get their year back in whatever sport they play. It just seems fair to me. That just seemed anything else looks like a miscarriage of justice. 296-1420 is the none of them opted out on their own. This was all something stolen by an Ivy League that decided to shut down. The players, athletes had no option in this. That just doesn't, that seems like un-American. They should fix that. 296-1420. We will have Jerome DeRosier on with us in a little while. He's a very interesting individual. Um, I had a lot of good conversations with him on the road about this, that, and the other thing. It was really fun. 296-1420. Um, I wish he was back for another year because he would help some of these young kids, too, uh, in addition to everything else that he's good at. 296-1420 is the number. Okay, Tanner, i got to get to this. What would you, so someone, let's say someone said, no airfare. Someone said, Tanner, I got you a seat on this, you know, rust bucket uh, plane. I'm going to get you there. No problem. It's free. What would you be willing to pay for a ticket to tonight's game? I think I would go with the market price. I mean, realistically. So 500 and something dollars. That sounds about right. Because it's a finals you're going to a new chase. It's a, one of the better arenas. You're going to a place that's going to demand a lot of, you know, has a lot of demand, and as we yeah. know, a fixed supply. I took microeconomics. I don't mean to brag. Right. You got that. <laughs> so the 500 there. doesn't sound about wrong, but having that being the lowest, it certainly is a little daunting, especially as, you know, the college student, you know, not getting a lot of money for a lot of 
you know, the jobs that I do have. So I got to just find the stuff that I got to do, save up money here and there. So the 500 to 600 doesn't sound wrong. I see. Here's the thing. And I suppose this is part of it explains to me to some extent. It's not the the absolute amount of money that would that is daunting to me. It's what I should be doing with that money, you know, in terms of my family, et cetera, other than treat myself to a luxury item like a game. That's that's really what it is more. It's more like it's my version of being somewhat responsible. I, that's how I see it. It's not it's really not like if I didn't have kids or responsibilities or why I think I would be much, much more prone to those kind of incurring those kinds of expenses, having moments, so to speak. I just think I look at the options, you know, I look at the things that are necessary in our in our house with the kids, and I just say, ah, I can't do that. I can't spend eight hundred bucks on a game. I, I it's more that two nine six fourteen twenty. I listen. I don't expect everyone to understand that or believe it. I, there's certain people around here like who... Now, Matt Apana, with his brother, lifelong Rams fans, they went to the game. They went to the Super Bowl. Or was it the... I don't know. He's either out of the NFC Championship. I'm trying to remember which. I think it might have been the NFC Championship game. But that was a big expense. But he decided it was once in a lifetime. So he did it. And I think that's great. I think that's... that. To me, that's admirable. That's what these things are for. I wish sometimes I could pull the trigger on something like that and not worry about where, you know, other uses for that dough. Um, but I don't have that. I'm not cut out that way. So what are you going to do? Two nine, I live with it. 296-1420 is the number. But I certainly think if I'm you, say, and someone said, Okay, got your transportation. Now it's just the ticket price. And you have 550 bucks and you went for it? I would get that. I would think, you know what? You don't have any. You're not, you're not married. You don't have kids. Why, what the hell? Why not? 296-1420 is the number. That's usually the method I say. What the hell? What the hell? There you go. I th what did the guy say? What did Tom Cruise say in that movie? It was... Uh, I don't know. I think it was a different expression. But I think he was talking to his buddies. They were, they were in the car. And I think this was the one where, you know, they decided to uh, turn his parents' house into, like, a house of ill repute for a weekend and make a ton of money because he wrecked his father's car. But anyway, it, one of the guys just said, sometimes you just got to say. And it was basically... WTF, right? But it was, but the guy said it like he was the philosopher for the ages. Sometimes you just gotta say it was too much. Funny stuff. You uh, go ahead if you have something. Two nine six fourteen twenty is the number. Now I would guarantee that there's people around here that are in the same boat as I am. I, I just off the hand, I would guess that Chris Hart would see this the way I see it. That it would be like, nope can't do that, too many other things that have to be done, family responsibility, all that, you know, all that kind of stuff. I, listen, that's what a lot of, that's the reality a lot of us deal with. Hey, you just, you would love to do some of that other stuff, it's just you can't bring yourself to do it. Doesn't seem right somehow. 296 
1420 is the number. I, if you've got a story about an event you went to or the one that got away, one that you didn't go to, then you might regret it. I, I, I think that would be just as interesting. Go ahead and text us or call us, and uh, we'd be happy to uh, take a clue from you. We, uh, this is kind of fun things. We don't do this kind of deal very often. I think it's come up largely because when I read some of the prices, and you can spend, by the way, a whole lot more than 550 bucks going to one of these uh, Golden State Boston games. Don't know what the prices are. I, I'm, ga I'm gathering they might be slightly lower in Boston, but I wouldn't think a ton lower. But San Francisco's a perfect storm. Brand new, beautiful stadium. You're in a high-tech area. You know, I just think there's a lot of businesses and a lot of money floating around in the Bay Area. So I think it's a perfect storm for prices getting out of control pretty quickly. I will guarantee you that's not – when they say 550 bucks, they're not talking about ringside here. We're not talking about, you know, 10th row and right down there where you're overhearing Steph Curry's conversation with Clay Thompson. It's not that. You're, you're up in the ozone. So I get that. I get all that. Um, but still, you might – for a great ticket, God knows what you'd pay. You might pay five grand for a ticket like that we're talking about. And, and I guess at some point it's really what someone's willing to pay for it because there's people with big money in those places. Guy wants to go enough. Let's say he's got to say it's a guy with a business that has an important client. You think he's going to whinge over five grand for a ticket? Because this, this is an important client. He wants to put them someplace great. I get that. 16 minutes past. If you have something, uh, 296 1420. I, I want to hear your story. If you have one right now on the game you didn't go to or the event, maybe it was a concert. I, you know what I've heard people pay a ton for? Tanner, you've probably heard some of these stories too. The people that have decided to go to Olympic Games. It seems like it's more summer Olympics than winter in terms of people paying huge dollars. Like, for example, the basketball, USA basketball, tremendously expensive ticket. Um, I heard beach volleyball is a little crazy. I kind of get that because that's sort of something that appeal, has wide appeal. But some of the more popular, the sprints, um, some of the swimming events, especially when this record's likely to be broken, some of those tickets get crazy for the Olympics. I, I actually have to admit this. I would love to go. I don't think I have the stomach for the money, but I would love to go to some of those Olympic events. You imagine seeing Usain Bolt run 100 meters in the Olympics. I mean, that would have been sensational to see. I, I would have thoroughly enjoyed that. Or the dream team, say, where people said the most unbelievable thing they've ever seen at any Olympics was sometimes even before the game was over, opposing teams were lining up with things for the USA basketball team to sign. <laughs> game wasn't over yet. How's that? 296-1420 is the no that that those were rock stars, those early dream teams. 
No question. Remember they were beating people by 50 and 60 points? It was craziness. Go ahead. Uh, go ahead and, and light us up. If you have some, feel free to text it. Uh, we'd love to see what you have to say. We've gotten a pretty good grasp here. A lot of people in Hawaii have spent big money. You know, there's a ritual here that I know of, and I don't know if you did it in your house, if you ever did the Disneyland thing, because that seems to be an incredibly popular thing for parents to do with young kids. It's almost like a rite of passage trip to go somewhere, whether they go to Magic Mountain or Disney World or whatever the heck it is. Uh, there's some Knott's Berry Farm. There's a whole bunch of things people seem to like to go to. Now, in my house, it would probably be a game. Maybe we'd do one day at the Disneyland and another day of going to some an Angels game or whatever was around, whatever was available. 296-1420. I'd love to hear from you on this one. It's uh, I remember going, we were actually staying. It was the John Wooden Classic. I was with basketball team. And was staying at this Anaheim Hotel, which was essentially a Disney production. And there's signs everywhere, welcome to the happiest place on earth, that it actually started to irritate me. I was like, imagine if you're having some family tragedy, for example, of some sort, or a medical, or whatever. And there's so many people, adults, running around wearing the little ears with the happiest place on earth t-shirts. You can quickly see how that could put you off after a while. I mean, let's face it, 296, 14, 20. That would do it. The happiest place on earth. Did you ever go, by the way? Never went. All right, we'll have to take a time out. I'm going to contemplate that. We'll be right back after this on the Bobby Curran Show, ESPN, Honolulu. The Bobby Curran Show is brought to you by PVT Land Company, supporting academics, athletics, and the community on the Waianae Coast. Mystified by the fact that sports have become very, very big business in these United States. When we talk about the tickets, Super Bowls, World Series, the NCAA, you know, Final Fours. Some of these events have become pricey, almost beyond belief. I, uh, I grew up in a family. We, I was the oldest of five. So my dad was great about taking us to sporting events, but they weren't marquee events. We weren't going to see the New York Giants, say. But what he was like on a Saturday, he was very willing to load us into the car. We'd go over to see say, Hofstra CW Post or Hofstra Kings Point Merchant Marine Academy. You know, we would see those level, small college, basketball, and, and football, basketball, baseball. We went to all those. Baseball was free uh, for those. And we'd just drive by, see a game, and he'd say, let's go in there. It was great fun. I enjoyed that thoroughly. But when I was a kid at a football game, I was far more interested in what I was putting in my mouth. There were two things I really cared about. Eating was one, and the other was lining up behind the bleachers, which were very low at the behind the end zones, to try to line up when someone scored a touchdown to catch the extra point. That was huge. Those are my favorite things to do. And I want to say the tickets for those games were three bucks for 
kind of go ahead, fire the text up. Uh, so we do have a text from the 254. It says, I'm a Detroit Lions fan, and I bought two tickets. I left them on the dashboard and went into the convenience store. And when I came back to my car, someone had smashed in the windshield and left two more Lions tickets. <laughs> That's so funny. That is hilarious. So they not, didn't, not only did they not steal the tickets, theoretically. I mean, I'm sure this is an apocryphal story, but when you have somebody that's a bad team they smash the window to leave extra t i love that story i don't believe it but i love it 296 1420 is the number i mean let's face it there are there are some games that you probably wouldn't you wouldn't go to if they were free period i mean i'm just saying there's been always that sort of thing around but i don't know small college games you know, high school games as a kid, I loved going to those. That was my idea of really a fun day. And uh, you know, I see how many hot dogs I could soak my dad for. 296-1420. Uh, if you have something and you want to jump in on this one. We got Ron on the line. Hi, Ron. Yes, I'm Bobby, I just wanted to bring this to your attention. You probably know about it. Bill Russell. Yes. Led the University of San Francisco right. to two national titles. And... Boston to how many titles, you know? Can you imagine him at the game today? Oh my goodness, he was. Uh, yeah, you know, it's funny because his matchup, you know, I think his whole career was Will Chamberlain, and yeah. Bill Russell was always the guy winning the team awards, you know, Defensive Player of the Year, and he would win that they'd win the title, and that what they win twelve straight, something like that. But I think most people generally, even back then, regarded Chamberlain as the more talented individual player, Russell as the better team player. Would you say that's fair? Yes, and, well, Russell somehow was able to strike out Wilt, I think, you know, mm. uh, in, their, in their matchups. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's a great team player, great team player. Unbelievable, actually. Which one of the Jones is... Was it K.C. Jones? One of the Joneses, I think, played at San Francisco with Russell, didn't he? K.C. did. It was K.C. Jones. There you go. Yeah. I mean, that's, a, that's on the very edge of my consciousness at the time. But anyway, glad to have that uh, reminded. Thank you for bringing it up. We have, uh, we have another caller. Hey, Richard. Hey, hey, uh, thanks for uh, letting me come on. Uh, I have a comment regarding uh, ticket prices. And sure. uh, you guys you guys uh, uh, talked about um, why not just go to a show in Hawaii. That now I want to make a suggestion in case you haven't gone. Go to the Rock Ahula show in Waikiki. Have okay. you ever been there? No. Okay, Rock Ahula show is uh, uh, last year was the 50th anniversary of the movie Blue Hawaii. But they have a Legends concert, Rockahula. They have an Elvis impersonator, a Michael Jackson impersonator, and another person. Now, this show is $55 for Kama Aina's. I thought it was one of the best shows that I've ever been to. And I've been to concerts at the Blaisdell, et cetera. Uh, the Elvis impersonator is great. The, the Michael Jackson impersonator is great. They do have two types of dinner shows. Uh, um, um, at different prices, uh, but but the place is big, so you, 
you can go to the side and where nobody else is. There's, I think it holds four or 500 people in there. Uh -huh. Okay, it, it's in the Royal Hawaiian Shopping Center. And you know what? What shocked me was I thought parking would be very expensive, right? And it but, wasn't. But, but when I went into the parking lot, it was cheap. Really, I was shocked. Not only that, uh, if you don't want to uh, eat at the dinner show, uh, on one of the, they have expensive restaurants in there. This is the Royal Hawaiian Shopping Center. Right, I know it. But uh, yeah. one, of the, one, of, yeah, one of the other levels, they have the cheap places where you can eat for 8 to $12. Wow, that's pretty good. You know, that's a deal. An, I, I think they have an L&L, &L, but they have a whole bunch of, you know, the fast food Reasonable places, right? prices, yeah. I got you. Reasonable prices. That's where all the workers eat, you know what I mean? But if instead of spending all this money for expensive tickets, go to this show. I loved it. I'm going to remember it for the rest of my life. The Elvis impersonator looked like Elvis. He sounded like Elvis. Uh, the Michael Jackson guy does the moonwalk, everything else. And what was interesting, what was shocking to me is, every time they uh, saw, uh, every time they sung another song, right, the dancers flew onto the stage, and they were in different costumes. I never saw people change their costumes so fast. It, it, was, it was amazing. So you know what? Uh, uh, forget about... Uh, you know, $1,000 tickets or something, $55, comma, I know, rate. They do have their own dinner shows. But if you don't want to do that, go to the other level, right, in the shopping center, and go and eat for 10 or $12. I, I hear you. Sounds, <laughs> sounds like a plan to me. Thank you for the call. Hey, I got to clear some space. We're going to have Jerome DeRossier up next. UH basketball player. Stay with us right back on the Bobby Curran Show, ESPN, Honolulu. Follow us on Twitter at Bobby Curran Show. This is ESPN Honolulu and the Sideline Hawaii app. Welcome back on this Thursday edition of the program. Game tonight, 3 o'clock start uh, from the Chase Center in San Francisco. I think it'll be a good one. Three-point favorite in tonight's game. I thought that the line is interesting for the series. Keep in mind that San Francisco, or Golden State, is 9-0 at home in the playoffs. They haven't lost. So they're obviously a big-time front-runner, big-time home team. Here's what it seems unreasonable to me. First of all, keep in mind this. The Golden State Warriors have won in the last 26 playoff series they've played. They've won at least one road game. Okay. They don't lose at home. So how, then, do you beat them four games out of seven? With a team that has zero players that has been into the NBA Finals. There are 123 games of for the Golden State players that have been in Finals. 123 to none. I just think this is an uphill battle all the way. 
as Steph Curry said, it takes you a little while to get adjusted to the craziness of a finals. He said, but then it gets to be just basketball. Well, okay, by the time it gets to be just regular basketball, you might already be down 0-2. Might take you two games to get that figured out. In which case, it's 0-2. Now you're heading to Boston to play. I'm just saying, if that happens, it's trouble. Because remember what happened to Dallas. Yeah, I get it, and I agree that Boston's better than Dallas. However, there's not a single player on the Celtics team that's as good as Doncic, I don't think. That's my own opinion. I, By the way, we're having some difficulties getting a hold of uh, Jerome. I, my problem is I was told that I, got, I arranged this, and I don't even remember doing it. I remember talking to him towards the end of the season, but I don't remember this. So I'm just saying. I just don't remember. That doesn't mean it didn't happen. It just means I don't remember. It's quite possible. It's encroaching senility. 296-1420. If you have something, um, you can go ahead and light us up. Happy to hear you. We've been talking a lot about, and I think that a marvelous job that parents do, I think, taking kids to events and games and and I really get that that can be stressful because it's quite expensive. You know, in New York, they would do this thing like, what does it cost to go for a family of four? It's how they always did it. Family of four to say a Yankee game or a Met game. Well, because you're not only counting, you're counting whatever transportation, if it's public transportation, it's a separate deal. If you're driving your car, it's parking. And then it's souvenir. Every, everybody gets a some souvenir, or there's at least two souvenirs in the family of four. And then you're talking about a meal, too, a full-on meal. That gets pricey. I mean, when parents, some of them say, I, hey, listen, we can't do that. Well, I get what they're saying. Because they're not just talking about ticket prices. They're talking about the whole shebang. can get crazy expensive. All right, Pierre is on the line. What's up, Pierre? How you doing this morning, Bobby? I'm doing okay, man. That's all we can do, just hang in there. Not getting any more games. I can, I'm not paying for more games, I can tell you that, but what else? <laughs> well, you remember in 2007 when Hawaii went into the Sugar Bowl, you remember you guys were doing the contest, all the space, all, all paid, trip for two, to the Sugar Bowl. Yeah. And I won it. Wow. Right on. That's a that's a hell of a prize. Oh, it, it was a hell of a prize, Bobby. I was so that was everything. That was a hotel, airfare, the whole shot. Everything, everything. That was a nice prize, man. Everything, and I was listening to the radio the day that you called my name. Crazy. And so, yeah. So the shortest flight down there, which was which was because people couldn't get off the island, right? Oh, I remember. Yeah. Did, did you? Who did you take with you, by the way? I took I took a friend of mine from from church. I wanted to take my best friend, but my wife said no. He was single. Oh, there you go. She said so, that's trouble. When, and so when I called, when I called, as soon as I won the prize, I called him. I said, "Hey, man, we going to the Super Bowl." Oh God. And she said, "Who are you taking to the Super Bowl?" And I said, "I said him." And she said, "No." Wow. It ain't gonna happen. Uh, that is funny. She wasn't having you off with the single guy. That is, that's a hoot. Do you remember where you stayed in uh, New Orleans, by the way? 
Oh, did he? Too bad, because I'm, I'm kind of, his recollection, I'm sure, was pretty sharp on that one. That was, by the way, the night of the Sugar Bowl. The temp It was nice generally. It was, you know, a little ch chill in the air, but it wasn't super. The night of the Sugar Bowl, it went down, I don't know, it was like 20 degrees. It was really cold. We were walking back to the area where the hotel was, and we stopped in a casino hotel for a little bit, got something to eat. And I just had to tell my brother, I was, listen, dude, I got to go. I got an early flight. We were flying out. Flying out to Utah State for, for a basketball game, kind of anticlimactic a little bit. All right, Pierre, are you back? Yes, I'm back. I'm what back. what hotel? What hotel did you stay at? Do you remember? Oh, it was. Um, I think it was. I think it was a Hilton. Right. It was on. a Hilton. Okay. And and, and and the funny thing about that is, after the game was over, I think my flight didn't lead to like the uh, the third or something like that. So I got to stay to the third or something like that. Uh huh. And 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 uh, as soon as they, as soon as the game was over, they put on them tiger hats. And the tiger people, as you saw, they were driving in the town. Right. As soon as the game was over, so um, it was a great experience. I really enjoyed myself, and I never would have been able to afford a trip like that, especially. No, that's a big that that's a big dollar trip. No question. So that was what 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 fun though you know to what fun to be able to go on that on someone else's dime. Hello. Yeah, I, I hear you. Yeah, I never would have been able to afford a trip like that. So it was a um, it was very very good, very interesting, and very expensive. Let me get this. I you when you said you never considered taking your wife. I gather she's not much of a sports fan. She's not much of a sports fan, but we have three kids. Oh yeah, someone well, who's going to stay with them? Exactly. There you go. I got there you, Pierre. You How I foolish mean, of me! I didn't know. You, me. I didn't know you had three kids. It was either her or me. Right there, you go. That made it easy. <laughs> no, no question. Hey, thanks for the call, brother. Appreciate it. Good to hear from you. It's forty-four minutes past the hour. If you have something, uh, two nine six fourteen twenty is the number. Let it. Let us do this. Let us. Uh, we'll take your thoughts, your texts. If you have something you want to weigh in on, please do. Uh, we're going to take a quick time out. We'll be right back on ESPN Honolulu. Follow us on Twitter at Bobby Curran Show. This is ESPN Honolulu and the Sideline Hawaii app. Oh, welcome back. We had some confusion today because we had a booking with Jerome DeRossier. I don't trust technology as much as I think Tanner does because I know I didn't book him. First of all, he's in Serbia, so I think it would make a lot of sense that that would not have been arranged. I don't know how it happened, but that's all I can tell you is that's what it is. So we'll we'll talk to him another time, and I'm... I keep hoping against hope that uh, there's going to be a development here with the uh, Ivy League kids that had this year taken away from them. I don't know how many of them. I think a lot of the Ivy League kids are just going to go on with their lives. But there are some that would love to play, and Jerome DeRossi is one of them. He had said he loved it here. He loved playing. 
liked the whole setting with the team, enjoyed his teammates. This is a guy who transferred from Princeton. So I, I think I consider that very unfortunate that uh, that whole thing fell apart and that the year was denied to the Ivy Leaguers who had that thing just taken away from them. Sort of nilly-willy, if you will. Go ahead if you have something, 296, uh, 1420. I, it's, I got time if someone wants to have a story about their ticket thing. Now, we heard a good one from a guy that just said, hey, here's a way you can have the day out for a nice event in Waikiki. Not a bank breaker. A lot of the ones we talk about when people take their kids to Disneyland. Another thing that seems to be a rite of passage is to bring your kids to either, you know, Chavez Ravine, Dodger Stadium, or to the Angels, or Oakland, or the Giants, or someplace on the mainland so that the kids can get a taste of what a major league game is like. I just think that some of these things that were considered quite reasonable back in the day are not so reasonable now. I mean, I think that maybe it's because of the escalation of prices, and it's not just the game tickets. I mean, we're talking about everything from stadium food to the souvenirs to hotels to rental cars to airfare. I mean, that ends up becoming quite an expensive trip. I think most parents certainly get that. That that's not, you know, that's like kind of for the, I don't want to say it's for the privileged few because a lot of people will just say, hey, we want to do that. That's something worth saving up for. And that they'll, they'll feel like that's a good thing. They'll do it anyway. But it certainly is a lot more expensive than it ever was before. There's no question about that. We got Garrett on the line. Hey, Garrett. Hey, good morning, Bobby. What's going on, man? 2017, me and my wife, I had my bucket list, flew out to Minneapolis to watch the Vikings oh, play, Bobby. That's your team, right? That's my team, Bobby. That's flew, cool. Spent about a week. We flew out to Seattle first, spent a few nights there, and then went to Minneapolis, stayed at the Marriott, and I spent 740 something dollars a ticket. Oh, boy. Well, you know what? It was a bucket list thing, so there you go. Yeah, I mean, that's the first time I've been to an NFL stadium, and, and that's big time, you know, U.S. Bank Stadium, and yeah. it was, like, fairly new, and then went out to Mall of America, where the old Met was. Yeah, I bet that was cool. Yeah, I caught the train there, and then came back, and but everything was included, as far as the 740-something, uh, we had meals in the stadium, we oh, had nice. drinks. Yeah, that's actually, that's a way to do it. Yeah, we, we, we was in this club downstairs, and then we were, like, close to the players where, where they come running, sure. um, going, going back to the locker room, and had a blast, though. Do you it remember, was, Garrett, who won the game? Vikings beat Tampa Bay that year, and oh. Case, Keenum, Case Keenum was the quarterback. Beautiful. Yeah, well, it was a hell of a time. He uh, had a uh, – people forget this because I bring it up all the time. Case Keenum had a better year – that Kirk Cousins has ever had in Minnesota. Yeah, thirteen and three that year. Crazy. Thirteen and three. Oh, and Jameis J- James Winston was the quarterback for Tampa Bay that year. Yeah. But I told her we're going in September because I don't want to go during oh, the winter. Oh, I hear we're you. We're gonna be freezing our balls out there. Yeah, you go after Thanksgiving, and I'm telling you what, you'll be an icicle. 
Yeah, but what an experience, Bobby. Oh, it sounds what absolutely fabulous. I envy you that. That's great. <laughs> Thank you, Bobby. All right, be well. It's 54 minutes past 8 o'clock, and Tanner has a text. I have a text from Jerry. He even has a really good picture, and that'll tell you what it'll be. Back in 2017, I paid a small fortune to sit courtside, literally one foot behind the Cavs bench. I was praying that LeBron would play, since that was my son's Christmas present. Luckily, he did, and we had an awesome time. Got to talk to Phil Handy as well, and even attached a photo of LeBron being guarded by, I believe, Michael Kidd Gilchrist of the Charlotte Hornets. Wow, that's very cool. That That's cool. I, I mean, I think if you're going to do it, there's something about getting up close like that. I mean, you, you know how you see Spike Lee? On TV, you, you ever notice the seats he's in? Those guys don't sit 30 rows back. They sit right up in the front row. I can't imagine what they pay for those tickets. I used to think those guys got comped, but someone told me that's not the case. They get a deal on like a season ticket, but they have to pay for those. That's not like all comp. And if you remember, Spike Lee's got into it a couple of times. He used to get into it at Nick games with Reggie Miller. I don't know if this is a little before your time, at least remembering some of the goings-on, Tanner, but Reggie Miller and Spike Lee would go at each other. And Spike Lee is a movie maker. He's in the stands. I used to think, why is Reggie Lee even, Reggie Miller rather, even bothering with that? It didn't make sense to me. Um, what's our out time, brother? Okay, we have about 30 seconds, so I do want to thank those that came on with us today. I uh, I thought our San Francisco 49er guest today from SF Gate, he was, he was. I'm sorry, what did I say? Niners. It was the Golden State Warriors, of course. He, he, I thought he was terrific. I thought he analyzed actually exactly what the Golden State Warriors will have to do to be successful as well as anybody could. That was good fun, and uh, we enjoyed him thoroughly. And I apologize. We will sometime in the near future get Jerome DeRossier on the program with us. That That's going to wrap us up right here. For Tanner Hayworth, from all of us at ESPN Honolulu, I'm Bobby Curran. Aloha.